welcome to the Marriage Depth Podcast, where developing a long-lasting, happy relationship is the status symbol to achieve, and following my six marriage steps is a path to help get you there. I'm your host, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, a licensed psychologist specializing in marriage counseling. To help keep the Marriage Depth Podcast on the air, please consider becoming a monthly supporter by going to patreon.com forward slash marriage steps. By keeping it on the air, you help couples worldwide receive the podcast to receive hope for their marriage. A quick announcement, I'm doing my next Total Marriage Refresh online coming up June 26th and June 27th. It's two nights, about three hours each. It's very interactive. It's a live presentation from me with a lot of Q&A, exercises for couples. So if you're interested in that, no matter where you live, you can register for it. So go to my website, drwyattfisher.com, just D-R-W-Y-A-T-T-F-I-S-H-E-R.com, click on Marriage Retreats, and then click on Total Marriage Refresh online. So hopefully, I'll see some of you there. Okay, the marriage tip of the day is cultivate both the romantic side and the friendship side of your marriage. Think of those two sides as two sides of the same coin. A good marriage has both. It has a good friendship and good romance. And think about your experience in your relationship. Do you have one or do you have the other or do you have neither? It's easy to be lopsided. So some couples can be really great at having a friendship and they share all their thoughts and they spend a lot of great time together, but they don't have sex. They don't have an erotic relationship. So they're more like roommates or siblings. Other couples are the other way around. They have an amazing sex life and a lot of sensual time and erotic contact. But beyond that, they're not very connected. They don't have much relationship or friendship. So both are needed. So think about your relationship and which of those two, maybe both, need to be fostered and nurtured because both of those are important. The marriage joke of the day is you have two choices in life. You can either be single and miserable or get married and wish you were dead. (laughs) That's terrible, but I thought that was funny. Okay, the marriage questions of the day. So this is my day where I respond back to questions on Facebook, and then I write some of the questions down and respond to you listening, because I'm sure a lot of you have similar questions. So question number one, how should I deal with my insecurities in marriage? So a lot of us bring baggage into marriage, some of us more than others, But the baggage we bring in usually is from past trauma, past trauma from relationships, past trauma from growing up. And that colors how we interpret our partner, how we view them, how we interpret them, how we think about them. And so the more trauma that's unhealed in your background, the more likely you're going to have skewed interpretations of your partner, of their motives, of what they mean when they say certain things. And so that's what this is referring to is you have to think about how am I interpreting my partner and how off am I? Am I making assumptions? Am I making extreme thoughts and statements in my mind? There's a technique around this called the truth table. And basically what you do is you, whenever you get upset in your marriage, write down the incident and then the next column, write down all of your automatic negative thoughts going through your mind And in the third column, you want to counter each automatic thought with truth. Then the fourth column is you put it all together in a balanced thought. So one example, let's say a woman had trauma sexually in her background and her husband's interested in sex. And her automatic negative thought is, he's using me. 
So wait a minute, is that true or is it not true? So that'd be her automatic negative thought to write down. So then if she were to challenge that thought with truth, a possible truth statement could be, actually, my husband's been loyal and committed to me for years in marriage and he's loving and attentive and the main way he experiences love is through sex, so he's not using me. So then the balanced thought would sound like this. My husband is using me because he wants to have sex. However, he's been a committed, loyal, and loving husband for years, and sex is the main way he experiences love, so he's actually not using me. That's the balanced thought. So that's an example of the truth table. You can go to my website. There's an article on that in my blog called Are You Assuming the Worst in Your Partner? But that's how it works. So the more trauma that's unhealed in your background, the more you're going to paint that or project that onto your partner with what they're doing and saying. Second question, how do we rekindle a friendship in our marriage? Friendship is the base of a good marriage. You have to become good friends because everything else flows out of that. If you're good friends, you're going to be careful how you fight. If you're good friends, you're going to be empathic when you're listening to their struggles. If you're good friends, you're going to want to share power when you're making decisions. Everything comes out of being good friends. So one of the top ways to cultivate a good friendship is spend time together. Ideally, one hour a day together of quality time, no kids and no tech. You have to have that daily time to connect. Otherwise, you're not going to be good friends. Good friends spend time together. They do things together. So I'd have an hour a day. That'd be one of my recommendations. Within that hour, make sure you have undivided attention and you're talking and communicating, maybe playing games, having some physical intimacy. And then once a week, make sure you're having your date. And as a reminder, there's four things to do during a date. Emotional intimacy, affection, recreation, and something sensual. If all four of those are happening, most likely you both will feel like it was a good date. So that's where I would begin to nurture a friendship, an hour a day of quality time without kids or tech, and one day a week. Third question, we own a business together, but never have any fun together. What should we do? It's hard enough to have a good marriage when you're not business partners, but the difficulty goes sky high when you're also business partners because it creates a dual relationship. You're my partner in marriage and you're my business partner. And so if one of those relationships goes south, the other one goes south. So it's a really tricky setup. Some couples are able to pull this off well, but it's rare, it's very rare. I remember working with a couple one time and they were awesome at business partners, but their marriage went down the toilet and it destroyed the marriage. It destroyed the business, I mean. So again, it's really difficult to do. But one thing I would recommend to this, this uh, couple right here is you want to divide, you want to separate out your time together as a couple. You want to get the business out of your time together as a couple. So for example, if you're having your hour of time together every night, make it a rule to not talk about business so that you can focus on other things in your life and have a life outside of your business. Make sure you're having that once a week date night and don't talk about business. Obviously, you're going to have to cover business here and there, but try to firm up your boundaries. Try to think about your workday as whatever those hours are for you, and that's where, where you leave business. You don't keep talking and working on it throughout the night. Otherwise, you'll grind your marriage into the ground. You have to have a break from the business to cultivate your marriage. Number four, how can I move past the past? That's a million-dollar question right there. How can I move past the past? One way you can move past the past 
is your partner stops doing what hurt you. If they're still doing the behavior that hurt you, it's going to be almost impossible to move past the past because the past is still the present. So that's step one. Your partner has to stop the behavior that hurt you. If they've done that, then it's on you with cultivating some compassion for why they hurt you. And that comes back to the compassion chart that I teach. And the compassion chart has four questions. The first question is, what about my partner's upbringing may have influenced them to behave in the way that hurt me? So what did they go through growing up that would have influenced them to behave in this way in adulthood that hurt me? Okay, that's question one. Question two is, what was going on in their circumstances in life that may have influenced them to hurt me? What were they going through? What stressors were they facing? What was going on in their world that may have influenced them to hurt me? Third question is, what was I doing, if anything, that may have influenced them to respond in that hurtful way? Was I doing anything? Was I saying anything? Was I acting in a certain way that may have influenced them to respond in that way that hurt me? So was I playing a part? Fourth question is, what about my background may be influencing how I'm reacting to the hurtful behavior? Is their hurtful behavior activating trauma? in my background. Maybe it is. And maybe that's why I'm reacting so strongly. And maybe that's why I'm having a hard time letting go because not just the hurtful behavior I'm trying to get over, it's all the trauma in my past that it's activating that I'm also trying to get over. So those are four questions to ask yourself if you're trying to get over something in the past that your partner has stopped, some type of hurtful behavior. It's what about their background may have influenced their hurtful behavior. What about their circumstances may have influenced their hurtful behavior. What were you doing that may have influenced the hurtful behavior? And how was your past influencing how you're reacting to the hurtful behavior? When you do that, it tends to increase compassion for why they behave that way. It doesn't mean it was right. It doesn't absolve them from responsibility, but it explains more of the behavior. And when that occurs, compassion starts to grow. And when compassion starts to grow, forgiveness becomes a byproduct. Okay, number five, how do I become closer to my partner? The number one thing I would recommend is doing that head and heart check daily. So during your hour of quality time every day, make sure during that hour you're doing a head heart check. And what that is, is the head is you share all the stuff you did. So that's your day timer, all of your activity. The heart is everything you felt during the day and why. So mad, sad, glad, or fear, and why. Sometimes those feelings are going to be connected to your agenda, the items you did. Other times it might be an undercurrent that has nothing to do with your agenda. But that's the part a lot of couples don't share. They don't share their heart. Mad, sad, glad, or fear, and why. Some of you may have no idea what you're feeling. Don't make it up. I've had people ask me, should I just make it up what I'm feeling? No, don't. Don't make it up. But instead, You might need to take some time to journal on what you feel every day. Take some time. Take a few minutes to think about what did I feel today and why did I possibly feel it? It's an art. It's not a science. So it's going to take some time to connect the dots. But you may need to do that self-reflection before the head heart time so you have stuff to share. Because emotional intimacy is not just from hearing your partner share. It's also when you share. Now, when you do your head heart, make sure you don't share anything negative you're feeling towards your partner. 
because that's going to ruin it. You need to use the floor method for that. And second, don't give your partner any advice when they share unless they ask you. That keeps it safe. Okay, last question. How can we talk about money without my partner getting upset? It's a great question. How do we talk about money without my partner getting upset? It depends on why your partner is upset. Are they upset because you're not following a budget? Is it upset because they feel criticized? Is it upset because they feel shame because they're not making more money? Is it upset because they don't feel like they have a voice because you do whatever you want financially and you don't cooperate or compromise? So the first step would be to understand the why. What's going on underneath the anger? That will influence what to do about it. But I recommend for all couples to sit down and create a budget. A budget that you both agree on. One of you may be a spender. One of you may be a saver. This is where you need to bounce the ball by sharing power so that you get to a compromise on how much to spend per category in your life. That includes everything. You want everything you could possibly spend money on to be in your budget. And you need to negotiate that budget so you're in an agreement. Then you need to follow it. You need to follow that budget because the budget is like a game book. That's the playbook that you're both operating out of as a unified couple. And that will help you become one more spiritually. So hopefully some of those questions are applicable to your life. Thank you for listening to the Marriage Steps podcast. If you enjoyed the episode today, be sure to click the five stars and leave a review. For more marriage resources, be sure to go to my website, drwyattfisher.com and send me your marriage questions through Facebook, Instagram, or you can email me directly at info at drwyattfisher.com. And remember, your marriage is alive. So if you care for it, it will grow. But if you neglect it, it will die. The choice is up to you. Take care.